0: Well, good evening. Glad we could be together and appreciate you know, Brother Daniel's prayer and the fact he enumerated the fact that we have a warm place to be and how true that is. You know, these simple things that we sometimes take for granted are amazing blessings that we have, and we need to be reminded of that from time to time. And sometimes weather helps us to you know, remember how greatly blessed we are. So this evening is going to be just part of my lesson, uh, about half of it, and we'll stop and then end uh, our study together. But we'll begin with the, uh, the thought about the subject of predestination, about foreknowledge. In accord with God's foreknowledge, in accord with his predestination... The Son, Jesus Christ, is the firstborn, Romans 8, 29. He is the firstborn of many brothers. And you think about divine foreknowledge, divine predestination was in the mind of God even before creation itself. And we looked at that and talked a little bit about that this morning in Ephesians 1. Where Ephesians 1 clearly brings up the point that election in Christ was God's plan, and that plan was before he created the world, before he created the universe, before he laid the foundation of this universe in which we're part of. So this calling and this justifying of men through Christ came into being because God desires a family. Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers, many brethren. God desires a relationship, a familial relationship. He desires a familial allegiance in such a way that he can call us sons and daughters. Do we understand as we ought the magnitude of the father-child relationship that God's made possible. We, under, and we know this. This is not something that is new to any of us as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. But do we fully comprehend the magnitude of what this means? I must confess, I do not. As I, see, as I try to understand what God has truly done for us, And do we show the honor, and do we show the appreciation to the one who's made us his children? He's made you a son. He's made you a daughter. Do we understand that as we ought, as spiritual people redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? In the beginning, Genesis we see clearly that God spoke directly to Adam and Eve. And so, there in Genesis 1, verse 28 and 30, talks about how God is addressing man and woman about their role, about their purpose on earth. And God spoke directly to them. And then in chapter 2, we look and see how God then provided for all their needs, placing Adam and Eve in a garden. You know, they are given the task of tending that garden, their home. They are to be good stewards of what they've been been given. And God made sure they had companionship. And so Eve is taken out from the rib of Adam and she is created. She's made by God. And the two come together. God did this for his creation. But then in chapter 3 and verse 8... Chapter 3 and verse 8, we have God walking in the garden. And it says Adam and Eve heard that. They heard Jehovah walking in the garden and they ran to hide from him. Think about that. Adam and Eve knew that God was there. Your thought, what does it sound like? What does it sound like to have your creator walking where you actually live? What does that sound like? I have no idea. But Adam and Eve did. And so what does this imply? This implies, I believe, that this is not the first time that God, their creator, Jehovah, the creator, had walked in the garden of Eden. This was a familiar sound to them. And so when they hear God walking in the garden and they realize what they have done, they have transgressed him, they have disobeyed him, and they're ashamed of their sin, they run off and hide. Jehovah is a loving creator. And he's a loving creator who treasures the relationship with the one creature, the one creature who is made in his image. That's the relationship that he treasures the most. This goodness that Adam and Eve had with God in the garden was marred. It was broken because of sin. They selfishly cut themselves off from God's holiness and faithfulness. And then the biblical story truly begins to unfold to us. And I believe this biblical story is a revelation of God's plan to reconcile. And in this plan of reconciliation, he's revealing to us that he's going to to restore what he lost. And so in Exodus chapter 19... Exodus chapter 19, God is fulfilling, Jehovah is fulfilling his promise to Abraham and his descendants that he, we read about in Genesis. And so now he's fulfilling that promise and he has chosen Israel and he is, has established and is established a covenant relationship with these descendants of that man of faith named Abraham. And so you look there in verse 5 and verse 6. He says, "If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession. You you will belong to me. I, you will be mine among all the peoples. You will be mine for all the earth is mine. But you are going to have a special place with me. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So God is speaking." through Moses, to the nation about this relationship he wants with the descendants of Abraham. All of God's commandments were so that he may dwell among that nation. For example, in Exodus chapter 25, in Exodus chapter 25, verse 8 and 9, Exodus 25, verse 8 and 9. It talks about some of the things that they are being you know, uh, told to do, or required to do, and to build, and all of that. But notice what it says here. He says, Let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. God wanted to dwell among his people. According to all that I am going to show you as the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furniture, just you shall construct it. And this same sentiment is expressed again over in the 29th chapter. You know, there at the end of that chapter, he says in verse 45, I will dwell among the sons of Israel and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. So God chose these, this descend, these descendants, made them into a nation, and establishes this covenant relationship with them. Why? Because he wants to dwell among them. He wants a relationship with them. To the point that over in Leviticus, over in Leviticus, it uses that same imagery, that same idea of how God wants to walk with his people, just like he once walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He wanted to walk with them. He wanted to dwell among them, and he would through the means and provision that he provided and and made. But over in chapter 26, picking up there in verse 11, moreover, I will make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you, and I will also walk among you and be your god and you shall be my people i am the lord your god who brought you out of the land of egypt so that you would not be their slaves and i will, and i broke the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect his walk with israel obviously would not and was not exactly like the walk he had with adam and eve in the garden but to walk together, what, what, what does that suggest? What does that imply in your relationship? When you walk together with someone, what implies you know, a sense of fellowship? There is fellowship going taking place. There is, I believe also it suggests harmony and closeness. I think all those concepts are wrapped up in this idea how God has provided a means that he could walk among his people God was seeking to build a bond, a bond with man. But unfortunately, like Adam, the nation of Israel marred that bond. They marred that family relationship, that family bond with their sins. Unbelief and disobedience littered the covenant union they had with God. God wanted to dwell among them. God wanted to walk among them and walk with them and provide a way he could do that through the law and through the covenant and through the the sanctuary and their worship. All of that was a way to sanctify them and make them a holy people where he as a holy God could walk with them as well. But they disobeyed him and they turned to unbelief. And he could not condone their actions. And he could not walk with them where they went. He could not go down that path with them. And so we jump now in our biblical history to the days of Jeremiah. And we have Jeremiah warning, warning wicked Jerusalem, wicked Judah about God's coming judgments upon them. And as he's doing that, he also prophesied, he also prophesied about a new people of God. A new people in the future. And he describes the, that new group of people with whom God would dwell and with whom God would walk. For example, in Jeremiah 24, this new people. Is in days to come, after these judgments have have, have happened, and God has fulfilled his promises in regard to those judgments, there would be a time that there will be a renewed and refined people, and their hearts would be would be hearts that would know God. And so in Jeremiah 24, verse 5, he says, Thus says the Lord. Like these good figs, so I will regard as good the captives of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place in the land of Chaldeans. For I will will set my eyes on them for good, and I will bring them again to this land, and I will build them up and not overthrow them. I will plant them and not pluck them. I will give them a heart to know me. God wants a relationship with people, with children that know him. He said, I will give them heart to know me, for I am the Lord, and they will be my people. So I refined, a renewed people will finally begin to know God, and they will be his people, and he will be their God. And he says, and they will return to me with their whole heart. God is looking to the day that he could restore what he lost in the garden. He could restore what he lost when, when he tried to enter a covenant relationship with the descendants of Abraham. So, also over in chapter 30, as this theme is woven in the book of Jeremiah, in the midst of all the judgments that he's pronouncing against you know, God's people, Israel, in a just way, notice what it says in the 30th chapter, in verse 18. He says, I will restore the fortunes of the tents of Jacob and I'll have compassion on his dwelling places and the city will be rebuilt in it's ruin, and the palace will stand on its rightful place. So restoration is promised to them in the future. And because he is a compassionate God, because he's a just God, the restoration of God's people also would include one day a ruler from among them who would approach God. And so you drop down in verse 20. Their children will also will be as formerly, and their congregation shall be established for me, and I'll punish all their oppressors, and their leader shall be one of them, and their ruler shall come forth from their midst. And I'll bring him near, and he shall approach me. For who would dare to risk his life to approach me, declares the Lord? You shall be my people and I will be your God. God saying one day there will be a people whose heart truly know me. One day there will be a ruler who will approach me and because of his approach to me, because he can dare to risk his life to approach heaven's throne, he says, then you shall be my people and I will be your God. In Jeremiah 31, verse 34 you see that the, linked to this idea of the covenant people, the new covenant people of God, you see that God says, okay, I'm going to make a new covenant. And it's, it's not going to be exactly the, like the one I made previously with your fathers. He says it's going to be different. It's going to be new. In verse 34, he says, and they will not teach again each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they will all." know me from the least of them to the greatest of them because Lord for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. God says I'm going to make a new covenant one day. And then it's through this covenant God's law is going to be written on the hearts of those people who have been forgiven. Why is he doing this? Why is God working so hard to to restore And reconcile is because God wants to walk among those whom he created and whom he creates in his image. This familial restoration based on God's justice, based on God's love and kindness, would also even extend beyond the lineage of physical Israel and beyond the borders of physical Israel. We'll end on this text this evening. And he, in Hosea chapter, Hosea chapter 2, in verse 19 through 23, Hosea lived before the days of Jeremiah, and so this is you know, prior to what Jeremiah is going to talk about you know, in his you know, prophetic work. But Hosea also addressed the subject of restoration because many of the prophets of God, they were sent to speak to God's disobedient children, spoke about restoration, spoke of reconciliation. And the day that that will come, and it will be a time where God will finally be able to have sons and daughters that know him and have sons and daughters that walk with him and he can walk with them. In verse 19, he says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I'll betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion, and I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. The day will come that there will be a people, a kind of people who will know me because of who I am. Verse 21 it will come about in that day that I will respond, declares the Lord, and I will respond to the heavens and they will respond to the earth and the earth will respond to the grain and to the new wine and to the oil and they will respond to Jezreel and I will sow her for myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion and I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. You think about the wisdom of God unfolding through the ages. And that wisdom is revealed and preserved for us so that we today can come to understand and and appreciate what it means to be a son of God today, and what it means to be a daughter of God today. You can be that child. And God wants to be able to walk with you as you walk with Him by faith. And more than that, God looks and longs for the day that it will not be by faith anymore. But he'll be able to walk with you eternally. But that's only possible in Christ and through Christ. If you're not a Christian, then you're outside of a right relationship with God. And in your sin, God cannot have fellowship with you. You are not one with God, you are not in harmony with God, and God cannot walk with you because he is a holy God, a righteous God, and a loving God. But he wants to walk with you. He provides a way that you can be his child even tonight if you're not. If you believe Jesus to be the Christ, then why not tonight make the decision, make the commitment to be born again? And become God's child. Become God's son or God's daughter. Because he wants to be able to call you his own. Whatever your spiritual need may be, we invite you, encourage you. Please come forward, make your wishes known, when we stand and sing the psalm that's been selected.